Welcome to Thrive Beyond Pornography, the podcast where real couples like us candidly navigate the journey to a healthier, more connected life. Join us as we share personal experiences, expert insights, and practical tips to help you thrive in your relationships and break free. Together, let's repair and build a rock-solid connection, becoming a couple that can overcome any challenge. I'm Zach. And I'm Darcy. Did you know that pornography doesn't have to destroy you or your marriage? We're the parents of eight active members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and we love to help people just like you. We're here to share hope and healing as we take you through our journey and the journeys of our amazing clients to greater joy and love. Come grow with us to a happier, more meaningful life. Welcome Welcome to to the the Self Mastery Podcast. Podcast. Hey friends, welcome to, it's not Mastery Monday, but welcome to the Self Mastery Podcast. This bonus episode is with my friend Ben Pugh. This is a conversation about you helping your kids talk about pornography and helping you get better at just being a good parent with your kids. All right, you guys, take a listen. I'm Ben Pugh, and you're listening to Impact, Parenting with Perspective, episode number 51. This podcast is all about helping parents manage the mental and emotional drama that comes with parenting teens so they can focus on what's most important, building rock-solid relationships and having a powerful impact on their teen's life. Join me each week as I dive into real tools to help you and your teen turn struggles into strengths. Hello, guys. Thank you for joining me on this podcast again. Episode number 51. Little side note, that's like my favorite number because that was my number when I played high school football. I know. Oh, really? Yeah. You play, sorry. You probably want to introduce me before, you, before we go back and forth. but No, just start talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my, my number was 24. Oh, gotcha. 24. Dude. I was an outside linebacker. So I was the smallest offensive and defensive lineman in my region. I, a bunch of dudes in our region went and played at BYU, USC. Wow. But it's funny how you remember like your old number. Like someone will tell me their phone number or something and I'll just catch like, oh yeah, so this pair was this dude, this pair was this dude, and it's just numbers from football <laughs> 20 some <laughs> odd years ago. All those, all those many years ago. Yeah. When we were uh, – Young and strong and stupid. All right, guys. So by now, you're probably wondering, who is this voice that I keep hearing? (laughs) (laughs) This is my new friend, Zach Spafford. And really, like, I have heard so much about you because... So we have a mutual friend, Joey Massio. He's been on my podcast a couple of times. I love Joey. He would talk about you all the time. And I don't think you and I officially met until last month. Yeah. Yeah, I like I knew who you were for sure, right? Because Joey's like, you know, Ben and I were doing this thing, this and that. <laughs> like watching Ben do all this amazing stuff. And then yeah. See, and I knew who you were. Like Joey always talks about you, and then you're on Jody Moore's podcast, and I'm like, Ooh, who is this Zach Spafford? I need to get to know him. And then finally, a month ago, we finally got to know each other. And I want to tell you part of the reason why like we finally got to know each other. A lot of parents are worried about their teens looking at pornography, maybe a spouse looking at pornography. And 
you are the go-to pornography coach. So I'm just, I feel lucky to have you on my podcast. You also have your own podcast. Remind me what's the, the self mastery podcast. Oh, that's such the a self mastery podcast. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. fun. I actually do it with my wife, Darcy. We talk about pornography for fun. It's <laughs> like, it's, it's kind of weird because we'll sit down and we'll talk to people and they will find out what it is that we do. And we just talk about pornography all the time. It is, it's one of those subjects where people think, oh, this is absolutely ne- something I never want to talk about with anybody. But when you get people going, they really do want to talk about porn. Yeah. It's, I just I had a thought go through my head. I bet you guys, like, yeah, you talk about pornography for fun. It's your business. If you, like, tried to, like, go to a live event where, hey, we're going to talk about building your business on pornography, like you would not find anyone else like you and your wife. (laughs) (laughs) Porn stars. Right. So, well, and it's funny because so in the beginning I used to introduce myself as a porn coach and that would, I kind of did it on purpose because people would be like, wait, are you for or against? I'm I'm not sure what we're doing here. (laughs) And especially in, you know, in the conservative circles that we run in, uh, you know, that, that could be, a problem. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun. Um, we're not, well, we're not necessarily here to talk about pornography, but I do want to a little bit like one of the things I've noticed is people avoid that topic like the plague, especially in the church. Like I know not all of you guys listening are members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but a lot of my clients are like Catholic um, tons of different religions. No one is willing to talk about pornography. They all, it's so scary and weird. We're all afraid of it. Yeah, but I, I think, think that's, I think that's similar to, you know, when we're dealing with this with our kids and that's really why we're here. We're here to talk about, you know, parenting and, and talking about kids. And that's kind of what got us onto this subject anyway, was, you know, all these things, we think that we are supposed to do everything perfectly, and porn is one of those places where I don't know anybody who hasn't done it wrong, right? Hasn't done it in a way that they think, oh, that's not who I really want to be. And as a result, they don't want to talk about it because they don't know how to like approach it in a, in a in a way that they can be like, yeah, I'm an expert at this. Yeah. I can tell you how to do it, right? We, we all know somebody who will give you advice on anything. Yeah. But th- I have never met anybody who's like, let me tell you how to deal with porn. Because <laughs> we're we're we don't know because we don't talk about it and we're afraid of it. Yeah, we pretend like it doesn't exist until it does exist in our life, and then we try and hide from it and pretend like it doesn't exist all over again. Yeah, until it becomes a real problem. Yeah, yeah, so true. All right, so yeah, we're not here to only talk about pornography. We are here to talk about parenting. Uh, Zach is a parent, a dad. And it's funny, like, you're just the same as everyone else. Like, all parents have tough parenting moments. And sometimes you're in a situation and you don't know what to do. And you, like, want the right answer. But I hate to tell you guys this, there are no right answers. Like, you just do your best. And in my opinion, tough parenting moments are actually very important parenting moments. So 
I'm, I'm Zoom recently changed. I normally pause when I cough and then I don't have to edit. Zoom now, anytime you pause and hit record again, it says it, it this meeting it. is being recorded, which <laughs> it yeah. probably wouldn't pick up, but my microphone is really good and it just slightly picks it up. So if you hear me coughing more, it's because Zoom completely messed up my style. Anyways. Thanks, Zoom. Yeah, thanks a lot. If enough of us complain, they'll let it go back to the old ways, I think. But I think so. So today, I wanted to bring Zach on, and I want to talk about tough parenting moments. And maybe, maybe Zach, talk to me. When we were kind of prepping for this call, you're like, yeah, three years ago, this is how we used to parent. But now here's how we're trying to parent. Explain that difference for our listeners. Yeah. So I think one of the biggest differences is that I no longer make what my kids do mean anything about me. And, and I know that seems a little bit strange because you're like, well, you made these people. <laughs> <laughs> They're your fault, right? And everything since is your fault. But the truth is, is that at some point our kids go from being, I think, completely controllable, you know, toddler, baby level to humans who make decisions. Yeah. And we don't often think of children as humans who make decisions. We think of them as people we need to control, people we need to manage, people we need to, and that's not who they really are. Yeah. One of the things that I talk about with my clients and, and I, you know, I'm not talking to them about parenting. I'm talking to them about porn is that we have to accept the agency of others. Yes. And when I started to do that with my kids, it stopped being this like, oh my gosh, you're going to be a serial killer. <laughs> kind of. the, the worst case scenario. <laughs> right. Which, which is what we think about when we think about our kids, especially when we think about kids in porn, right? Like, oh my gosh, my kid's going to be a serial killer. No. Right. Like the truth is, is that your kid is trying to figure it out just like you are and letting them have their agency which means that they can say yes to things that you think they should say no to. Right. Then, and it doesn't make you a bad parent. Yeah. Now I think there's consequences, right? So we were talking before about my, my son. So he came home or we, we, we asked him about something that was going on with his phone and he's like, Oh no, no, it's a glitch. Right. And I'm like, Oh, well, that's cool. We'll just reset the phone and it won't be a big deal. And he lost his mind. <laughs> Like he was, he, he was like, I, we got to solve this. Uh, you know, let me show you all the solutions that I've come up with. And none of that's necessarily bad, but really what it was, was he was covering up that he had rearranged his phone in a way that was against what we had agreed on. Right. So we said, you can have a phone, but it, you know, it has to be within these parameters. And he like, he's calling me an asshole. I, can we swear on your podcast? I'll allow it. Parents, he's just <laughs> quoting his son. Right. I'm Maybe quoting my son. like the really bad ones. And <laughs> <laughs> he used a few other choice, uh, <laughs> you know, words, right? And and he's like old enough that he could probably go live on his own. He's 16. He could probably do it if he really, really wanted to. And so he's like, oh, I'm leaving. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, you're going to have to leave your phone here. 
well, no, it's my phone. I paid for it. Well, but you agreed to these parameters and it's on my contract and all these sorts of things. And he's just super, super mad about it. And I'm like, okay. And previously years ago, three years ago, I would have gotten in his face. I probably would have beat him up. And that, that's a, that's a really like horrible thing for a dad to admit. Right. Like I'm a terrible parent for just even saying that out loud. Right. And yet I, when I, when I, when I'm standing there with him and he's just like full of this vitriol and anger and frustration that he's not getting what he wants. I'm just like, well, we can talk about it when you're ready. Yeah. And I'm not mad and I'm not frustrated with him. And I fully recognize that, by the way, this is of course what he should be doing because he does want to have all those fun things on his phone, including uh, access to stuff that we've agreed that isn't appropriate. Yeah. And yet he's mad and I'm not, and I don't think he gets it. And finally, by the end of the night, I'm like, okay, well, I love you. Well, actually he kind of like ran off. This was the funniest. This was, this was, this was that hard parenting moment, right? He ran off. Um, and it's, you know, we live in St. George, so it's not like it was cold. He was fine, but I was up till at least three, just kind of waiting for him to come back. Uh, and sometime after three, he must've wandered back. He, you know, I left one of the cars open. I actually left two of the cars open so that he could like climb in there and go to sleep. (laughs) And he did. He eventually, at some point after three o'clock, he climbed in there and went to sleep. And the next morning, about six thirty, I woke up because I was still worried about him. Because I'm a, you know, I'm his dad. I'm. It, it doesn't like if you if you let your kids have agency, that doesn't mean you stop worrying about them. It doesn't mean you like write them off. It means you like, hey, I'm 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 concerned about your welfare. So about six thirty, I get up and I go out and I find that he's in his car and I you know I tap him. I say, hey come, you know, why don't you come in and go sleep in your bed? And, you know, he says, piss off to me. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I'm just like, okay, <clears throat> I'm not going to be mad. I'm just going to go back inside and, you know, do what I'm doing. Yeah. But at least I knew he was safe. I knew where he was. And I, you know, previously, if he just said, piss off, piss off to me, I'd have been like, dude, F you. I'd have gotten in his face. I'd have been mad. Right. Like it would have like, and, and we didn't, I didn't have to fight. I didn't. And and then I told him, you know, later that day, I said, you know, you clearly, you're still very upset about this. Why don't you go hang out at your friend Trace for a couple of days, clear your head. And so he's off his friends right now. He's off at his friends, but I'm not mad and I'm not worried about him because I know, I know where he is. I feel like, so right now in my business, the biggest thing that I'm coaching people on, I, every single one of the parents that I'm working with, it's them trying to control something outside of their control. Like, oh, my teenager got in trouble and they're mad. They're just so pissed off and they shouldn't be. They should understand. It's their choice, blah, blah. When you can shift your focus from things outside of your control, which by the way, there are hundreds of thousands of things outside of your control. If you try and focus on all of those, it is so overwhelming, but there's only a handful of things that you can control. And when you shift your focus from how your teen reacts or whether or not they obey the rules and you bring that focus inward to, okay, how do I want to show up? How do I want to feel? 
How do I want to think about this? That is the most empowering thing you can do as a parent. Now, before we hit record, we were talking about how, so I have this theory. I think tough parenting moments, and I know some of you LCS coaches listening to this, you're like, well, that's a thought. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Tough parenting moments are awesome. If you think about like Michael Jordan, in my opinion, greatest basketball player. To, well, I have another theory. John Stockton. No. I'm going to no, hop on my no, soapbox. No, we're going to argue. <laughs> <laughs> John Stockton has two all-time records. He's number one in steals. He's number one in assists. And those will never be broken. Anyways, that's just yeah, my two okay. cents on John Stockton. I mean, that makes him amazing. But it doesn't make him in any way, shape, or form the GOAT. Well... I mean, you, you, look at, the most you look at Michael Jordan and you're looking at like a top 10 record for every single thing and every single stat. I mean, he just. Okay. So back to Michael Jordan though, the thing that made him the greatest was that he wasn't afraid of the tough or the big basketball moments. Like he wanted to be the guy that was taking that shot and he knew I might miss this shot and I might lose us again. No, no. He always knew he was going to make it. That was, that's the difference. He always knew he was going to make it. Yeah. Whether he did or not, wasn't really relevant, but what he believed was I'm going to make this. Yes. He always believed in himself. Which that is a powerful example because it didn't change the outcome necessarily. It didn't completely control the outcome. But because of his belief in himself, it changed how he showed up. Now he's shooting with confidence. Now he's doing what it takes to win the game. If he doesn't do that, they're not going to win because he's not going to be in a position to either make or miss the shot. So how do you think this translates to tough parenting moments, Zach? Well, I think think the key there is is that Michael Jordan – off game. So off the, so it's what I call off game, but it's those, it's those moments that you're not in that very tough spot. He was practicing. Yeah. He, he, he practiced making those shots off game. He practiced getting his head right off game. He was spending, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of hours over the course of his career be putting himself in those positions mentally. And what's interesting is Michael Jordan's stats, they get better in the playoffs. Yes. Right. He gets better in the playoffs and we, as parents, we can get better in the playoffs, right? In those, in those moments where, you know, you're 16 year old, I'm definitely better in the playoffs than I used to be. Yes. So good. (laughs) My, my, my 16 year old, he's having these, you know, really, really hard moment for him emotionally. And I'm, you know, instead of me escalating that conversation, instead of me, you know, getting in his face and telling him you're wrong and you're stupid and, you know, whatever it is that we say as parents when we're in that heated battle of like, you need to conform to the way I think you should behave. I'm like, okay, let's, you know, I've practiced. Hey, let's, let's talk about this. And when you're ready to talk, I'm here for you. And I love you. And no matter what you say to me right now in this, in the heat of this battle, I don't worry about it. Right. And that's Michael Jordan. Right. He was in that in the heat of the battle in in ways that he had already prepared for. Yeah. He didn't that's care it. who you put on him. 
He was right. still going to make the shot and win. Right. Absolutely. And that that's, that's the work that you're doing with these parents, right? You're putting them in a position to where they can go into that moment that, you know, make or break free throw shot that make or break fadeaway jumper at the buzzer for the championship. They can go into that and be like, I can succeed. I can do this. Yeah. I can help people. And I want to throw this out there. Jordan didn't ever lose a championship, but I believe they did lose in the playoffs a few times. Yeah. Before, before they started their massive run, they, I think they got into the playoffs twice. Yeah. But the thing is, he never made that mean anything about him. Like, Oh, I lost. I'm no, it's just, I'm still the greatest ever. I'll go make the next one. Yeah. Yeah. And he drove himself. He drove, I mean, he was, he was an extraordinary character. Yeah, so two things I want to bring up. No one shamed Michael Jordan for working on basketball. No one was like, you got up early to go work on basketball? You must really suck as a basketball player. Why does that happen with parents? Oh, you're getting, you're in therapy, you're in counseling, you've got a parenting coach, and you must be awful. Why can't we think about it with the same respect that we have for like a Michael Jordan, a Kobe Bryant I hate even mention LeBron, but him too. Uh, come on. Like these guys are putting all this effort and no one shames them. We're like applauding them. Like, Oh, your dedication. You are the best. And then the parent tries to improve and get better. And they just feel this massive shame and guilt. Why do you think that is? Well, shame is, is, I think you said it a little bit earlier. You said, should, I should be this. I should be that. I yes. should be different should doesn't even exist should own interpretation yeah well that's just it like i hate to yoda on everybody but uh it is or it isn't right do or do not there is no try should doesn't exist in that framework right and and the reality is is the only thing that should allows us to do is it allows us to, to figure out whether or not we're a horrible human it doesn't it doesn't give us anything. All it does is it says, Hey, let's look at the past and decide that we're terrible. That's yeah. literally all it does. And, and should just isn't, I mean, it's just such an irrelevant word. It's irrelevant um, and it's harmful. Like it doesn't propel you forward. One of the ways that I teach about should, like just try it out. I should lose weight. I should parent better. I should like whatever you want to say, but try this. I want to lose weight. I want to parent better. I want to do like one is disempowering and the other is empowering. It puts you well, in control. I'll, I'll take you one further. Cause I think want is in that position of <clears throat> uh, believing that you're doing something without actually achieving it. Right. Okay. Whereas if I go, I will, I will lose weight. I will. Even if you don't yet believe it, you are putting yourself in a, in a, position of action i'm going i'm i'm committed to making this happen want so to me want is like a little girl asking for a pony every little girl wants a pony but what is she going to do to make that happen she's not going to do much more than pester her father yes but i will get a pony is like okay let me go find the stable let me go figure out how i'm going to make the money how how i'm going to find this horse you know all of those downstream actions that you have to take should 
is the antithesis of all of that. Yes, it's, it's like, disempowering. I'm literally not doing anything and I'm not going to. And I would even say it's possible to go one step further. I, going from, oh, I should be a better parent to I want to be a better parent to I will be a better parent. What if you just started believing I am a better yeah. parent? Yes. I yes. am the great parent. Like that to me, like I have on a recent episode, I interviewed one of my mothers that just one of my mothers, not like my mother, one of the mothers I work with. How many mothers do you have? A lot. <laughs> but she had talked like when we were working together, she believed she was a bad parent and she had all this shitting like, Oh, I should have done this. I blah, blah, blah. And she wanted to be better, but it wasn't until she truly believed like, Oh, I am a good parent that now everything started to change because that belief led to this feeling of confidence, which completely changed how she showed up as a mother and changed all of her actions. So yeah. that's really good. I love how you and I, we like peeled that onion back. Yeah. If that we was were fun. heartless, we'd be crying right now. <laughs> <laughs> so another I thing. I am statements or those I statements, what we, the, the I statements that we believe are who we are. They're the value system that we carry around with us. So, you know, as a, as a dad and as a parent, you know, I have a, an entire list. So I have, I have my top five priorities, right? And I think many people have a, you know, a list of priorities. These are the big things in my life. So mine are like my wife, my kids, my work, myself, and my God, those are my top five priorities, not in any particular order, but the I statements, the value statements that we place under those that tell us how we behave. That's what you just described that I am a good mom right? I am a good parent. And what we oftentimes miss, I think, is that opportunity to go and evaluate what are the I statements that I believe yeah. and then change those and try believing new ones. And I like to talk about these in terms of aspirational I statements, because sometimes I, I, uh, I eat healthy. That's a good one. That's one that I had worked on for a lot of years because I didn't eat healthy. If you handed me a ribeye and a pound of bacon, I was in heaven. No, that's healthy in my book. <laughs> right. As long as there's at least one stock of broccoli, you're good. Yeah, there we go. <clears throat> but the truth is, I had to change what I believed about who I was. And I started by saying, I'm healthy. I eat healthy. That's who I am. And And I didn't make it mean anything when I didn't necessarily eat healthy. I just chose to keep reinforcing that belief and that I statement, which was what I used to make myself a priority. Right. And, you know, for others of us, it's, you know, I, I church, right. Church is a good place to find all the I statements. I wear, uh, I wear certain clothes to church, right? So for members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I wear a white shirt and tie. Like if you see a Mormon man at church, he's wearing a white shirt and tie pretty much. Yeah incessantly Mormon woman, she's wearing a dress, right? Which don't have anything to do with theology. They just have to do with like the way that we present within our culture. And those I statements, those are the important things. Some of them are useful. Some of them have nothing to do with anything important, but it's just who we are. And when we take that to the next level and we say, what are the I statements that I need to be the person that I want to be? What are the I statements that make me the person that I have been striving to be my whole life? Then we start to create the person that we want. 
both as a parent and as just a regular old human. And when we teach that to our children, all of the sudden, guess what? They start to be able to develop their own sense of who they are in a way that is purposeful rather than just, you know, what I think I certainly grew up with, which was just going at the whims of whatever was going on in my brain at the time. Yeah. One of the things that I teach people is that human beings are herd animals and parents are like the alpha of the herd or uh, some guys are like, no, it's a wolf pack, but we're herd animals. We're like cows. Anyways, whatever you think, like whatever, not like your ice, like your I statements are for you, but what are your you statements about your teenager? Whatever you think and believe about your teenager, they are patterning their I statements off of that. And so that's why it's so powerful as parents to really be intentional about how you show up, what you think, what you believe about your teen, because they're just patterning their human existence off of you. And this is one of the things I see with pornography. Like, uh, it seems like everyone has this horror story about pornography. Like, yeah, I knew someone who looked at pornography one time and they killed their whole community or just (laughs) they became a serial killer. Yeah. And they have this you statement, this you belief about their teenager who looked at porn and now their teenager who's creating his own I statements is like, Oh, I'm broken. Yeah. I made a mistake that will eternally alter the course of my life for the negative. You're never going to be able to forget those images. Yes. Right? Well, you're never going to be, you know, you, you're, you, you've poisoned the well for your wife. You're, you know, you're, you're chewed up chewing gum. That's, that's an analogy. Have you ever heard that one? Yeah. All equally horrible. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it's like, no, no, we, one of the things that I have learned is, even when our kids aren't doing what we want them to do, if we can just ignore most of that and talk to them like as though they are the person we want them to be, we're going to get a lot further. Yeah. They are going to have a much better sense of the self that they are, even though they're building that human, but more than that, the sense of the self of the, who they want to be. Yes. Yeah. One of the things I always talk about is connect with your teenagers where they are instead of where you wish they were. Because if you're trying to connect with someone where you wish they were, like that person literally does not exist. And like, I see this when I coach. It should. It's totally a should, which is not a real word. Yeah. I see this when I coach like LDS parents and they're like, well, my son should go on a mission or my daughter should not be sexually active or my boy shouldn't be sexually active. And I'm like, you are literally trying to connect with a child who does not exist. Your son or daughter is sexually active. Now your son is not going on a mission. How do you connect with that child? And how do you have this empowered empowering perspective to just trust that? Oh, that's okay. They'll be all right. I, I think of the story of the prodigal son. It's uh, one of my favorite ones to use to teach. But at no point did the dad like pull his hair out and be like, oh, no, everything's wrong. I, he's like, yeah, I disagree with your choice, 
but that's not within my control. So I'm going to let you make your choice and I'm just going to be the best dad ever. And when the son goes, squanders his money and comes back, like the dad isn't mad. The dad isn't like, I told you so. I told you this would happen. Like, I love you. I missed you. I love you. Welcome back. He couldn't magically make the consequences go away. Like, oh, no worry. I'll just wave my magic wand and all the money will be back. There's still consequences, but that's all outside of his control. Is like, how do I want to parent? This is how I'm going to show up. Yeah, I think the thing that he realized there was that everybody, so in, in modern language, we call it the hero story. Everybody has a hero story. But what I think we forget is that most of us are in the middle part of our hero story. Like, watch the Avengers, watch any you know Marvel movie, watch any movie where there is a beginning and a middle and an end, and recognize that in the middle is where all the drama is. The middle is where all of the frustration is, and the growing, the learning, and the changing, and the I'm you know here's how I have to do this differently. All of that is where most people are, yeah. and we think. You know, I have this checklist. I have this checklist of things my kid is supposed to do. But the problem is, is that that checklist is theirs to do. One, if they want to do it, has nothing to do with you. And two, they're in the middle of the hero story. They're in the hard part. Most of us are invariably in the hard part. Like we love a hero story. As members of the church, like as humans, we love a hero story where it's like, oh yeah. And then he came back and everything was perfect. But that's just not it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Most of us are in the middle of that hero story. We're in the, you know, it, we're eating from the swine trough as as the prodigal son was. We're in the middle of trying to figure out why is it that my choices are keeping me from being happy. Yes. And until we can do that self reflection, and this is why I think sometimes it's a little bit hard to work with teens. Uh, is that they are not very good at self-reflection. No. I don't know if you've noticed this. <laughs> well, there's some that are kind of getting there, but yeah. I don't know that their prefrontal cortex is developed enough to yeah. really, like what we can do as parents, your team cannot process at that level. They just right. Physically, their brain just isn't there yet. Well, yeah. And like, for instance, in my own, coaching work, I don't take anybody under 16 because they literally, just what you said, they, their prefrontal cortex has not physically developed yet to the point where it can do the work that, that I go through with these guys. So it's, I think it's really incumbent upon parents to work with somebody like you, where all of a sudden it's like, Oh, I need to show up differently for my kids yes. because I can't make them see differently unless I do. Yeah. Um, I want to, Number one, I want to, I'm not going to apologize to you. Mainly my clients are mothers. And here we are talking about the Avengers and Michael Jordan. But you know what? I always coach with these analogies. Hey, we can talk about sewing. Yeah, I would know nothing about that. (laughs) It's like like in that part where you start with the pattern pattern and uh you're uh, you, you have to pull out some stitches my wife is a good seamstress and my mother was so i used to darn my own socks on my mission do you know what i used to do with my socks when they got holes in them i would just tear Hold them apart them from away i had one companion he had it down to science he's like yeah you don't have to sew them you just you don't pull it all the way up and you just fold the end over i was like you know that is kind of ingenious that is that is horrible. <laughs> hey, 
we were missionaries. So I want to go back just for a minute about tough parenting moments, preparing for it, and kind of having this mentality of like a Michael Jordan, where like it's not shameful to prepare for the tough parenting moments. Like it's awesome to want to be the best, to want to be able to rise to that level. And I teach this tool. I believe this is unique to me. Like I made this up, Zach, you're going to be impressed, but I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing about it. And I, his face just lit up. He's excited. I, it did. I'm, I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> something I can borrow and use in my own yeah, clients. Steal it. It's perfect. <laughs> so one of the things that I teach, I learned this on my mission. I turned 20 on my mission and I don't know why I had like this quarter life crisis. For some reason I thought I was going to die at 80. And I'm like, man, I'm a quarter of the way through my life. What do I have to show for it? And I was just depressed and down and not happy. And this wise old Argentine man, which Argentines are pretty short, like he's just small and old. And he's like, yeah, so you Americans, you think of time as this like linear, it starts here and it's a straight line and it goes this way. I was like, yeah, that's what we call a timeline. We learned it in history. He's like, no, time is a wheel. And he didn't say circle. He said, it's a wheel. He's like, sometimes you're on the top of the wheel. And sometimes you're on the bottom of the wheel. And he's like, have you ever been run over by a wheel? So actually, yes. When I was hauling hay, we had like thousands of pounds of hay on the trailer and I got my foot run over and it hurt. And he's like, yes, it sucks to be on the bottom of the wheel. And that's where you are right now. But he's like, you'll never stay on the bottom of the wheel because the wheel is constantly turning. Sometimes you'll be on the top and sometimes you'll be on the bottom. And it blew my mind. And I use this as a principle. I use it as a life coach. And I always tell people, take a minute, identify, am I on top of the wheel or am I on the bottom of the wheel? And it's empowering to realize, like so many times we, uh, you have an awesome parenting moment and you guys are at the movies and everyone's happy and you look down the row at all your kids and you're like, I am a, an amazing dad. And then tomorrow, all your kids are like, you suck. And they're calling you an a-hole and all that. And you're like, what did I do wrong? And we don't realize that, oh, yesterday I was on the top of the wheel. Today, I'm just like coming down to the bottom and I'm getting run over. That's fine. But what this has to do with Michael Jordan, when I coach football, I always tell my, my players, like, there's two times to practice when it's easy and like we're going against air. We're just running through the drills. We want to practice being perfect. We want to practice for when we're on the bottom of the wheel and it sucks and the guy's bigger and better and stronger than us. And all of a sudden it gives meaning to all of the time. Oh, I'm on the top of the wheel. Things are going great. I want to practice showing up intentional for that tough parenting moment when I'm on the bottom of the wheel. And then when life changes, it's just a cycle and you're now on the bottom of the wheel. You get to identify and be like, Oh, this sucks. I'm at the bottom of the wheel. I know what's going on, but I prepared for this when I was on the top. Here's how I'm going to show up. And I think that is one of the most empowering things we can do as parents is just simply identify where am I right now on this journey? If you're on the top, prepare for the tough parenting moments. 
be really intentional, be perfect. It's like in football, when you're going up against air, catch the ball. There's no one there trying to stop you. Just catch it, make the play. But when you're on the bottom, identify that and have the confidence. Like Michael Jordan, he knew I've prepared for this. I'm ready. Let's go. You know, as a parent, Oh, I'm at the bottom of the wheel. That's okay. I've prepared for this and revert back to what you've trained for. So Zach, what do you think about that little mini? I love it. I get that. I think that it makes so much sense, right? Like life is not going to be all roses, you know, as members of the church, we often, so we have this scripture, men are that they might have joy. Yeah. And I think that's so true, but I think we, we, we misinterpret the, the amount of joy we're going to have. Yes. Right. There's 13 verses earlier. Uh, Lehi's talking about opposition and all things. So, you know, if you, if you take those two things together, all of a sudden to have joy, you have to know what the opposite is. Exactly. And you cannot have true joy without knowing the opposite of joy. And that means that you're going to go through some sorrow and some frustration and some hard moments, which is the bottom of the wheel. And you just got to know I'm going to, if I, if I choose to just deal with this rather than avoid it, rather than, you know, pretend like it's not really happening or that it's not going to solve or that it's not going to be a problem or whatever it is that we do. Like, you know, for my clients, a lot of times it's turning to porn or turning to food, uh, you know, as a parent, you know, you, you turn to ways to bribe your kids to do what it is that you want them to do, right. (laughs) Manipulating them. Right. Exactly. And rather than doing that, which you think is going to get you exactly what you want, rather than doing that, you go through the hard moments and you deal with them directly and you like mourn with those who mourn and you suffer through the, the consequences of some of your kids really bad decisions with them rather than telling them they're a terrible human. You're going to know joy on the flip side. You're going to see what happens when they start to see more clearly the way to make decisions and they're more capable and more willing to listen to the advice that you bring to them. Right. And all of a sudden there's joy there and it's immense and it's powerful, but we're not going to get it by shortcutting. There's no shortcuts. And, and that's, you know, you got to go all the way around the wheel. I and I, yeah, I think this brings in like two of Brooke Castillo's teachings. The um, life is 50-50 and yeah. kind of understanding, oh yeah, 50% of the time I'm on top, the other 50, I'm on the bottom or somewhere in between. And then the other concept of the river of misery. Uh, one of my teenage clients, when I taught him that concept of the wheel of life, he's like, could you imagine being on the bottom of the wheel and thinking something's gone wrong and just slamming on your brakes? (laughs) He's like, imagine like your face, like being drug across the pavement or something and just really understanding, Oh, I'm on the bottom of the wheel. Don't slam on your brakes. Just keep going forward. Just trust that. Oh, I'll be on top. And if maybe you were on top yesterday, nothing's gone wrong. It's just the cycle of life. So dude, I could talk to you all day long. Like we could have like a marathon podcast if we wanted, but we're not going to do that to you guys. Zach, where could people go to learn more about you? So there's two places you can, you know, you can listen to my podcast, the self mastery podcast. I love these, this conversation. My wife and I, we talk about porn all the time. 
like it's fun. <laughs> yeah. So if you have a teenager struggling with that, go listen to this podcast or a husband or spouse. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Spouse, friends, whatever. Uh, and then if you want to follow us on Instagram, it's Zach Spafford dot self mastery coach. Awesome. Dude, thank you for being on my podcast. This, which, by the way, Zach and I are going to create something awesome. And yeah. I'll probably just leave it at that because I don't want to build up like too much anticipation. And like, but we're going to do something awesome. And so he'll be back on the show later. For now, parents, I just, I want you to trust yourselves. You are an amazing parent. You have the power, you have the ability that you need to rise up and be that phenomenal parent in tough parenting moments. And that doesn't mean your teen is going to magically change and do everything you want, but you will gain control because you are mastering yourself. So with that, guys, anyone who is not yet a member of the Firmly Founded Parent, that is a group that I co-host with one of Zach's buddies, Joy Massio, and two other life coaches. This is a powerful place if you want to master parenting, if you want to learn how to make the best of when you're on the top of the wheel and show up intentionally when you're on the bottom, come join us. I'll put a button in the show notes. You can go to firmlyfounded.com slash parent. And I'd love to have you on the inside. And with that, thank you guys for listening. Zach, thank you for being on my show. Let's do yep. this again sometime. Absolutely. All right. See you guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Impact, Parenting with Perspective. If you found any of this helpful and would like to get some one-on-one help with parenting your team, head over to benpewcoaching.com slash mini and sign up for a free consultation today. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Self Mastery Podcast. Imagine you sitting next to your loved one and no longer bogged down by the greatest trial of your life. Each month, I offer a free webinar that you can attend where you can get your questions answered about how you can break free from pornography use. Take a moment now and go to the website, zackspafford.com slash free call, and you can sign up for free. You don't want to miss out on this amazing opportunity to ask questions, learn a new skill, and even get coached live if you like. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to Thrive Beyond Pornography. If you're seeking guidance and support to overcome pornography for good and begin creating a thriving life beyond it, check out my free webinar, How to Overcome Pornography with Skills that Actually Work. You'll learn practical, proven skills guided by an expert coach who has personally overcome pornography. Whether you're getting started for just yourself or along with your spouse, Darcy and I can teach you the tools that will help you put your life on the right path for you. Be sure to check out the show notes for a direct link and If you could take a moment to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, it would mean the world to us. Your reviews play a significant role in helping others discover the show so they can join us on this transformative journey. Thank you for being part of the Thrive Beyond Pornography community. Until our next episode, stay strong, stay focused, and keep thriving.